The following podcast contains explicit language and adult subject matter suitable for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Are you looking for joyous and inspiring stories about pregnancy and birth? Full disclosure, you will not be hearing those types of stories here. This true crime podcast will reveal bizarre, crazy, and sometimes criminal real-life experiences while working at the labour and delivery unit. Our stories share the nurse's point of view. So get ready as we stir things up with the stirrup. I'm your host, Joanne Murray, and next to me is my brother from the same mother, Kevin Michaels. Say hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. You're just going to keep going with that, huh? Yep. Wow. I can't believe we're already on episode three. I'm starting to feel like we're legit podcasters. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm about to update my resume. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have to do the same. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's time for our labor room tale of the week. tale this week highlights one of the few times I felt my life was in danger while trying to perform my job. In danger? Yes. Delivering babies? In danger. First, let me set the scene for you, Kevin. Okay. At the time, I was working in a major New York hospital during the height of COVID. And this is before we had vaccines. So we had hundreds and thousands of people dying every day in the United States from COVID. It was a really scary time to be working as a healthcare professional. Yeah, I can imagine. Being a nurse on a busy labor and delivery floor can be very intense. And having to wear a full hazmat suit while doing your deliveries made the situation even more stressful. You feel so disconnected from your patients because you're just so preoccupied with being scared for your life. One day when we were working on the floor, we received a call from the security officer who usually is posted at the at our front entrance. A man pulled up in a white SUV yelling that his wife just delivered a baby in the front seat of his car. In the car? Wow. Okay. Well, I guess it happens. It does happen more than you think. <laughs> Believe it or not, this happens a lot due to heavy traffic delays in the area our hospital was located. As expected, a few doctors and nurses ran outside to help bring a stretcher, blankets, and surgical instruments. The poor woman, let's call her Sasha, just for the sake of this podcast. Okay, Sasha, gotta remember that. Sasha just delivered her own baby and was quietly sitting in the front passenger seat of the white luxury SUV with bloody towels 
under her waist and holding her baby. Mm, a luxury SUV? Yes. With blood all over it? Uh, it was a bloody mess, Kevin. I know he was not happy. <laughs> not only is there blood present in a delivery, but there can also be liters of amniotic fluid as well. Kevin, do you know what amniotic fluid is? I have no idea. Amniotic fluid is actually baby's urine. That's nasty. <laughs> you mean to tell me the baby is drinking and floating in its own urine for nine months? Yes, but it's not like adult urine. It's colorless, it's odorless, and uh, the more- Okay. <laughs> and it's a sign that your baby has healthy kidneys. Okay. Tasha's baby was still attached to her undelivered placenta by the umbilical cord. And since we still had to get her out of the car and into the hospital while being in the middle of a busy city street, we made the decision to clamp the cord and cut it right then and there. Her husband was not acting the way you would think someone would act in this situation. He was so agitated and aggressive and he absolutely reeked of alcohol. If my wife delivered in my SUV, I, I might need a drink or two also. <laughs> True, but this is one o'clock in the afternoon and he was so obviously intoxicated, I don't even know how he got her to the hospital. As we were about to cut the cord, he yelled out, don't cut the cord. I wanted to naturally detach. What does that mean? This drunk dad wanted his wife to have what's called a lotus birth. A lotus birth, whose name comes from the lotus flower, which is a symbol of unity, detachment, and rebirth, happens when the baby is left attached to the placenta until the cord naturally separates at the umbilicus. This can take up to three to 10 days to happen after birth. It's said to be quiet and respectful transfer of detachment of the baby without the trauma of being cut from the mother. Lotus births are usually never done in hospitals. There are not many practitioners that would recommend or perform them. There really isn't any medical data out there that supports any healthy benefits for a baby from this type of delivery. Health experts warn it can actually be harmful to baby. Just picture your beautiful new baby having to be attached to a dead, decaying organ for days. That sounds like the walking dead or something. <laughs> You're so right. Like baby dragging around the corpse with it. Of course, rotting flesh tends to smell really bad. So parents put the decaying organ into a sack with some poopery and carried around with the babies for the next 10 days. Oh. I wish people listening um, on Apple Podcasts or one of the other podcast platforms could see my face, but <laughs> that sounds Your like a scene from The Walking all, Dead. <laughs> I wish you guys could see my face. Go to YouTube and see my face. <laughs> this practice can increase the risk for a baby developing a sepsis infection that could be life-threatening to the infant. One day we had a baby that was admitted to the NICU 
after its mom had a lotus birth at home. The baby actually ended up passing away from a sepsis infection. I just don't think it's worth risking the life of your baby for something that shows no benefits at all. And there's no research that says it's beneficial in any way. I agree with you, Kevin. It's an unnecessary risk to take. We decided not to get into an argument over this in the middle of the street and told drunk dad <laughs> to go to the park, go to the parking lot and park his luxury vehicle and we'll take his wife and baby inside. Through this chaos, Sasha was very quiet and calm. This was her second baby, and she had gotten her care at a, one of our clinics. While drunk dad was parking the car, we transferred Sasha into a room and explained to her that it's against hospital policy to let the baby stay attached to placenta when she's admitted. Sasha was very agreeable and okayed us to cut the cord. Oh, so she was okay with cutting the she cord. She was perfectly fine with it. But when drunk dad came in the room, he went ballistic when he found out we cut the cord. But why did he want it to stay attached in the first place? Like, does he want to eat it like some animals like, like, like eat the, like they do out in the wild yeah, yeah out in the wild like he never could explain why he wanted to keep the cord attached maybe the alcohol altered his thought process he became so threatening and verbally abusive to the staff we had to call security to remove him from the premises for the rest of the day he would somehow find a way to get back into the building and continue to threaten the staff with acts of violence. That's not good. And all of this during COVID. The staff was so emotionally and physically drained during, during this time. I mean, hundreds of people are dying every day, including our fellow coworkers. And now we have to deal with this fool yeah, healthcare workers had to be real life superheroes during that time. Uh, you were putting your lives at risk every day to take care of our patients. Right, and on top of that, you got to deal with this dumbass. Yeah, some people can be so selfish. He was so aggressive and belligerent. It would not surprise me if he was verbally and physically abusive to Sasha as well even though she denied it every time we questioned her about it. Yeah, of course. After the security guard escorted him out for the last time that day, the staff was so traumatized by his threats, we decided to look him up on Facebook. <laughs> Good move. Good move. Would you believe his profile picture was of him brandishing multiple types of guns. <laughs> oh, wow. That's crazy. Very crazy. I'm no gun expert, but he had a shotgun in one hand, another shotgun in another hand, a pistol in his waistband. After seeing this profile picture, the fear level of the staff went up times a hundred. Yeah, I bet it did. <laughs> Not only do you have to worry about dying from COVID, but now you have to worry about getting shot too. Yep, That's Kevin. crazy. Absolutely nuts. 
The next day, his wife was approved for discharge, and we anticipated that he would be coming back to pick him her up. Mm. Unfortunately for me, I happened to be doing the COVID screenings that day for visitors and patients in the front lobby, which was right by the front entrance. Yeah, front and center. <laughs> First person he's seen when he comes inside. Remembering all his threats from the day before, my heart would stop every time I saw a white SUV pull up out front. I felt like I had PTSD. I was so terrified <laughs> that he would show up with his guns and shoot everyone in the front lobby. Wow. Security had his picture and was warned that he was not allowed in the hospital, but they're not much help. Hospital security guards do not carry guns and they don't get paid enough to put their lives in jeopardy. So if anything happened, needless to say, we would have to call 911 for help. So you're just, I would have, man, I'd have had, I'd have dialed 91 <laughs> and then just left the phone there. <laughs> left it open, right? You know, when I see his SUV pull up, one, send. Around 1 p.m., I saw him pull up. So I, oh, no. I quickly made my exit from the front lobby and hid in the back room. Oh, you booked it? <laughs> That's right. My mama didn't raise no fool. You just left your post. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I did not return to my post until he was gone. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. According to the security guards, he was a lot calmer that day. He probably had sobered up. His wife and baby met him in the lobby and they left without incident. For a long time, I had PTSD about this incident every time I saw the same white luxury SUV. Wow, yeah, he should have been arrested for threatening your lives. Um, here you are, you know, caring for his wife and his baby, yeah. you know, during the pandemic. And this is how he shows his appreciation, you know, by threatening the people that's helping him. Exactly. It makes I, no I, sense. It makes no sense to me. You know, people do it all the time and it, it doesn't make sense. You know, you see the memes on Facebook all the time about nurses, you know, and how the patients treat them. Mm -hmm. Even I've seen them, you know, on my timeline and it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. But I'm just grateful that the day ended without incident and his wife and baby were okay and we were all safe. Right. And that's it for our labor room tale of the week. Now it's, gonna. <laughs> now it's time to get into our true crime story of the week. true crime story for this week is the death of Lauren Barnes. Lauren J. Barnes was born in Monroe, Kentucky in 1987 to her mom, Catherine, and her dad, Charles Jeff Barnes. Catherine later married Lauren's stepfather, Tanner McDaniel. Lauren was described as a happy and go-lucky person who loved making others happy. She was known to enjoy life, and even though she could also be quiet and reserved, she had a wonderful sense of humor. Lauren was five months pregnant and living in Bethany, Oklahoma with her mom and stepfather and her sister when she went missing on November 23rd, 2007. On that day, 
Lauren had informed her family that she was going to meet the father of her baby. Lauren had been having a casual affair with Eric Fan, a 20-year-old college student from Oklahoma City. When Lauren discovered that she was pregnant with Fan's baby, she was very excited and looking forward to being a mother. She had already given her unborn daughter the name Avery. She even started working as a hotel maid and transformed her room in her parents' house as a nursery. Okay. Eric, on the other hand, was not happy about the baby mm. and wanted Lauren to have an abortion. Uh-oh. At the time, Eric had a girlfriend named Sophia that he intended to marry and felt that this unborn child out of wedlock would bring shame to his Vietnamese family. Oh, wow. So he had a girlfriend. Almost fiance. Almost fiance, but he was also sleeping with Lauren. Lauren. Mm-hmm. Did she know about his fiance? Well, she found out. Okay. All right. I'll let you continue. <laughs> On November 23rd, Lauren received a text message from Fan asking her to meet him at Bethany Park. Lauren told her sister she was nervous about meeting Fan because she had already told Fan's girlfriend, Sophia, that he was a father of her baby. Oh, so she did know. Yes. And she told the girlfriend. Yes. She knew... He would not react well to this information. would be very Mm -hmm. angry. No, yeah, I would figure that. Text messages between the two showed that Lauren wrote fans saying, it's weird we haven't spoken for a while and now you want to meet? Oh, that's a red flag. (laughs) That's right. Yep, she texted fan asking, you're not going to kill me, are you? She asked him if she triple red flag. Triple red flag. <laughs> if you have to ask that question. <laughs> Let's pause here for a second, Kevin. <laughs> for all you soon-to-be mothers out there, if your baby's father tells you he does not want anything to do with you or your baby, and then out of nowhere, he suddenly wants to meet up with you at night in a deserted park, Mm. Don't go. Don't do it. (laughs) There's flags everywhere. That's right. Listen to your instincts, especially if you have to text him, are you going to kill me? (laughs) Surprisingly, Lauren was not seen by her family when she stepped out the house that night. Her worried family did not report her missing until the following day. They knew Lauren would not disappear on purpose as both her checkbook and debit card were left behind. Mm. Police launched a search for the missing mother and found her car unlocked and abandoned at the same park where she was supposed to meet Fan. When questioned, Eric Fan initially denied visiting the park on November 23rd. He then later changed his statement and mentioned that although he was visiting the park, he did not meet up with Lauren. <laughs> That's a lie. They got you already. However, Lauren's sister provided detectives with text messages where Lauren mentioned how Fan might be extremely angry with her for informing his girlfriend, Sophia, about the pregnancy. Yeah, I would say that would be a motive. Yes, a big motive. 
On November 30th, an anonymous tip led police to a heavily wooded area near Sitcom Wildlife Refuge. There, the police found Lauren's body in a shallow grave covered with leaves and branches. The medical examiner determined that Lauren's death was caused by asphyxiation. The case received another break when a friend of Eric's named David approached authorities and claimed that Fan confessed to him about strangling Lauren to death, even though she agreed to have an abortion. Oh, wow. So she agreed to have the abortion and he still strangled her anyway. Mm. He believed that her having this baby or even just being pregnant would still bring shame to his family. Oh, but murdering your child and the mother of your baby is going to bring less shame? I know, it's warped thinking. It makes no sense. No sense at all. It's a tragic situation because Lauren was willing to say and do whatever it took to convince Fan to spare her life and the life of her unborn child. Police arrested Eric Fan, and he later pled guilty to two counts of first-degree murder. Eric confessed in court that he killed Lauren and her baby because he believed having the baby would bring too much shame on his family. Such a dumbass. What's worse, being a murderer or being a single father? I know. Which one's more shameful to your family? Not to mention your freedom. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that too, but he's so worried about bringing shame to his family. Now you're being charged with murder. With murder. And your family's sitting there in the courtroom watching you. How shameful is that? It makes no sense. Eric was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole and is serving his time at the Joseph Correctional Center in Lexington, Oklahoma. Good for his ass. Hopefully there's a special place in hell for him. I agree with you, Kevin. Well, that's it for our true crime case of the week. Your thoughts, Kevin? <sighs> well, yes, it's clear, you know, by the text messages that she didn't trust him. And I don't even know why she even went. I truly believe women have a sixth sense or women's intuition when it comes to certain situations. Always follow your first instinct. If the situation does not sit right with you, then don't go. That's right. You got to pay attention to those red flags, those flags all over this story. <laughs> you got to, like you said, you know. You have to pay attention to the red flags you and follow your instincts. Follow your instincts. Especially being pregnant, not only are you protecting your own life, you have to protect the life of your baby as well. If your child's father wants to meet you because he had a change of mind and now he's happy that you're pregnant, at least meet him in a public place. In a public place, yeah. Why are you meeting in a park in the dark? In and the, bring in witnesses. The night? Yeah, like tell them to come to your house when there's people there <laughs> or, right. you know, like you said, a public place somewhere, yeah. you know. Bring not mace, just, bring no, a stun gun. <laughs> <laughs> but Do you know it. what? I'm thinking about it. She was probably very in love with him, is what I'm thinking. No, because she said it was a casual affair. Yeah, that's what she said. 
But well, she, I think with she most, still went and told his girlfriend, his what almost I think fiance with, with most it. women, when you're pregnant, even if there's not a chance for you to be with a dad in a relationship, you're still going to want your child to have a father that's around. So I think that's what her main purpose is, is to try and at least be friends with him, be cordial. So he at least will be in her child's life. Right. Like, I mean, I get that, but the fact that she told his girlfriend, like, I feel like that always starts trouble. It does like, start trouble. He should have been the one to tell his girlfriend, not her. Hey, things happen. I mean, I, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, it seems like she was in love with him. Like, she wanted him and his fiance to break up so that. So that you they know, could be together. They could be together, you know. But who knows? That could have been in her thoughts as well. But the bottom line is, I don't think she trusted him. Otherwise, she wouldn't have sent her sister those messages. She would have texted him, are you going to, to kill, kill me? me? Yeah. So mm. I think her antenna was definitely up. And I wish that we could go back and do it all over again where she, if she was going to meet him, meet him in a public area with witnesses. Right, of and, course. you know, I guess she thought he would never go to these lengths, but it's sad. It is, it is definitely sad. Well, that's a wrap for the third episode of Stir Podcast. Yes, and if you like what you're hearing, please don't forget to subscribe and like our videos on all our pages and share our link tree with your friends. That's right. I will be posting pictures from today's story on our social media platform. So please be safe out there. Yes. Peace. You can find the Stir Podcast on all major podcast platforms. Please like and subscribe to our YouTube page and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. 